2: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi there, I'm Lauren McGonwin with teammate Alia Kamalova. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. Today, we're discussing some difficult things. We're talking about how you can prepare yourself financially for an upcoming recession. We'll also be joined by Shannon McLeay, founder of The Financial
2: Gym. And stick around for Dear Career Contessa, our listener advice segment where we answer your career questions, starting with, how can you deal with a boss who takes credit for your work? Plus, we also share some helpful resources you won't want to miss. And now, this is The The Females.
1: Before we get into today's topic, we do want to recognize that today is Equal Pay Day, which is a symbolic day that was first observed in 1996 by the National Committee of Pay Equity to eliminate sex and race-based wage discrimination and to achieve pay equity. And while we don't want to disregard this day in any way— Earlier this week, we asked our community on Instagram what career questions they had, and the ones that came up more and more and more over and over again were related to money and your fears around the economy and your job security. They weren't really about negotiation at all. We always want to make sure that this show is a place for you to get the advice that you want and
2: you need today. So that's why we decided to pivot the show topic. Yeah, I definitely think that this is a super important day, equal payday, but this is like kind of an urgent topic that a lot of people have been asking about. And honestly, as someone who is shockingly not an economist, I I also like, yeah, I, (laughs) I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to like the exact intricacies of a recession. I, I think it's good that we're discussing it.
1: Yeah, it's very timely. And, you know, if you are looking for resources around Equal Pay Day, there is a website, you can Google it, equalpay.org, and they have a ton of resources on there. So again, we don't want to ignore that day, but we definitely want to make sure that the advice we're offering is timely. And as you all know, we are not dealing with a normal time right now. So that's why we wanted to pivot. And thank you to all of you on the Instagram community. That's where I feel like we're having most of our kind of two-way conversations with you. Thank you so much for you guys for letting us know what you want and you need. And, and we will continue to pivot our content to, to bring all of that to you. So keep, keep letting us know in the DMs and, and engaging with us. Feel free to email us info at and we'll make sure that this show continues to meet
2: you where you are today. So today on the episode, we're discussing two things one is a recession coming, and two, what are three things that we can do to prepare ourselves financially? So let's get into it. So our first discussion point is a really big question, which is, is there a recession coming? And to help us discuss, we've invited Shannon McClay, founder of The Financial Gym, to the show. So tell us, should we
0: prepare for a recession right now? Yeah. So, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, there's technical measures of a recession that it's interesting. Usually when they happen, you you kind of but by the time you get the economic measures, you're, you realize you've probably been in a recession for a few months. So as far as technical measures of it from an economic standpoint, they're not all there. But I think we can all uh, say from how we feel over living in the U.S. for the past few weeks that we are in a recession, whether or not the numbers are officially proving it yet. They will.
1: Yeah, we didn't have any time to, as you said, like normally by the time you're in one you, or you know you've, you're you in one, you've been in one or you've been working toward it. I feel like we weren't really working towards this.
0: This all came out of like a matter of days or Very it felt like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, for your listeners, too, I just it, what's interesting about, you know, recession few things is that they actually normally happen about every three to three and a half years. We have been in an unusual situation where the last one we had was 2009, which is 10 years ago. So it's just been a long time since people have seen one, but they typically happen pretty, you know, every three and a half years. So I'm going to be 42 next month. And I've seen three in my professional life. So I'm not you know, surprised by this, but I have a number of teammates who were in high school the last time this happened. So it's surprising for people um, to see this, but they they do happen more frequently than we've seen in the past.
1: Mm -hmm. And also, I think it might be helpful. Can we just explain or just define like what is a recession? Because I feel like maybe, yes, the last one we had that I remember also was in 2009. And I feel like that was also quite extreme.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's generally when there's a, a decline in economic activity which means businesses are selling less, there's more jobless claims um because because the business it's technically when the business cycle is is contracting. So there's just less growth happening in generally in, in a n- number of businesses. So when there's less growth and companies are making less money, then they tend to cut jobs and cut back on things. So that's t- generally what a recession is. And recession also kind of equals bear market if you're thinking about investing too. So recession is when you have a bear market. We've been in a bull market, um, the opposite of that for the last 10 years. So with growth, where you know companies are growing, jobs are happening. So this is just something that normally happens. And this is the first time for a lot of people seeing it, but it's common for after, especially after significant growth that we've had. It's
1: Yeah. I feel like we've been living in this like utopia <laughs> and then mm-hmm. like for way longer than we were supposed to. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. I, and that's the problem too, is that because, you know, you normally have general pullbacks, you know, the recessions are, 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 you know, like again, every three and a half years. So because we haven't had one in so long, this is just going to be a you know, more dramatic one. We're, we've just been due, overdue. Right. All
1: right. Well, after this quick break, we're going to go over Shannon's tips for how you can prepare yourself financially for this recession, which I'm sure a lot of people are specifically also thinking about job loss. So um, after this break, we'll be back with her three tips. Let's take a quick break from some pretty heavy stuff to talk about something a little bit lighter. That's right. I'm talking about skincare. But here's the deal. What you put on your skin is actually really important. That's why I was so thrilled to discover Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a clean makeup skincare brand that started in 2013. They're disrupting the beauty industry by shedding light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in products we use every day on one of our most important organs. That's right, our skin. Their mission is to get safer products into the hands of everyone because they believe that beauty should be good for you. But what does clean actually mean? Or is it just another buzzword? Not to beauty counter. They have over 1,800 questionable ingredients on their never list. And you will never find these ingredients in their products. It's also really interesting to look at this list because you'll probably find it in some of your other products, which obviously should make you wonder. My personal favorite product right now is the Counter Match Adaptive Moisture Lotion, which I use every morning. It's a lightweight lotion that provides hydration that lasts 24 hours. I would definitely recommend checking it out. From now until March 31st, new customers can get 10% off your first purchase of $100 or more at beautycounter.com with promo code FEMALES. That's 10% off your entire order of $100 or more by just going to beautycounter.com and then you're going to use the code FEMALES which is F-E-M-A-I-L-S. All right, one more time. Beautycounter.com promo code females. Restrictions apply. Now let's get back to the show. All right, Shannon, let's start with your first tip, which is have your worst case scenario plan in place. This is especially important if you lose your job when you're going through a recession, right?
0: Yeah. So if if we're in a recession like we are, they typically last about 12 to 13 months. So you have to think about how can I survive on the next 12 to 13 months and worst case scenario, I lose my job or, you know, your roommate loses their job or your significant other loses their job. What does that look like? What What is the worst case scenario game plan? And the first thing is cutting expenses. So getting rid of any unnecessary expenses that you have and really you know, taking on austerity measures of preserving cash and and cutting expenses to the lowest possible um, imaginable? You know, does it mean moving home with uh, your parents? Does it mean taking on a roommate? What are different ways that you can cut your expenses? The second is looking at your cash and Having an emergency fund. Do you have enough money saved up to help you weather the storm? And that could mean making some difficult decisions on how much debt you repay. They will be waiving student loan interest payments, so that's something to think about if if student loans is one of your debt. And then the third is if if you do lose a job, you know how are you going to you know come back from it? I've I've already seen clients lose jobs and. They're just very open to whatever kind of work they can get now. And and that's the thing, too, I would say is like if you take whatever job you can get in a recession, it's not the time to find the job that is like your most perfect job. It's time to find the job that's going to help you pay your bills.
1: Yeah. Well, the irony here a little bit is that today's equal pay day, and normally on equal pay day, you know, we give tips around how to negotiate and ask for a raise. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, obviously we've switched the topic for a reason, but I feel like when you say, you know, now's not the time to kind of be overly picky about jobs. I think that's hard for some people to hear who yeah. maybe they, they are really good at their job and they're being let go for no reason other than the business cycle. But one of the questions I would have when you say focus on cutting out things that you don't have to have, what are some common expenses that people have that, you know, right away you're like, these are the most popular ones I always tell people to cut.
0: You know, I tell people to pull the last three months of your credit card or bank account statements and look for the big numbers in there and, you know, how many of the, how much of those are are, um, ongoing expenses. And, you know, I have a client who lost her job. She was an Orange Theory member and she's like, well, I mean, I'm, I don't need $200 a month to go there, Yeah. you know, re, and really think through, you know, I have somebody who's like, I'm cutting Netflix. I'm like, I, I don't want to live in a world where I have to cut my Netflix. But, you know, that could yeah. be those recurring expenses you definitely want to look at. And then, you know, dining out is food is the after your rent or mortgage, the number one budget area for people is food. So rethinking how you are doing food, I know a number of, there's a number of grocery stores that have very limited shelving um, options for food, but you know, um, how can you save money on your food expenses and some other, you know, areas where you typically spend money?
2: Yeah. Um, I, it's funny because a lot of people have been asking about the job search process during this time. So mm-hmm. in a way, it's kind of like an easy advice, I think, to just be like, take the job that you find.
0: I totally understand that it's not, that's not what you want to hear. I, I, but I was literally talking to a client this weekend, she lost her job and she's like, I'm just applying. I'm, I'm looking at being an Amazon, you know, delivery person or whatever, you know, that she could take. And she has a master's degree in, in healthcare. And that's obviously where she would like to work, but she also just wants to, to make some money. And what I tell people, that, and this happened in 2008, 2009, as a hiring manager, I'm also a hiring manager. I would rather see somebody, I'd rather see a resume over the next six to eight months with somebody who has Starbucks or McDonald's, you know, or whatever, um, Amazon delivery driver on it, knowing that that was not what they intended, because I, I can read through the lines. I know that that's not what that person wanted to do, but I really respect the hustle as a hiring manager. I like that. You didn't just say, Hey, I'm going to collect unemployment. And, um, you know, wait for the perfect opportunity. I like that you're out there hustling, trying to make something happen in an imperfect situation.
2: Yeah. I think Lauren and I always talk about this. All of, all of us at Career Contessa had like a service industry job or something at some point. And we always really appreciate when candidates have that experience. Um, just in general, I feel like it's it's tough work and it's usually not what you studied for if you went to college. That's yep. so funny.
0: I say the same thing. We hired a trainer not too long ago, and he was before that w- was working as a barista. And before that, he was working for Wells Fargo as a financial advisor. But I loved his barista experience more than I love the Wells Fargo advisor experience, because I was like, I always feel like everybody should work in a service industry or food service. And you learn so much and so much about customer service, which I feel like every job is customer service. And you realize everyone just has to pitch in and work hard. So I'm 100 percent agreement with you. I love seeing. Yeah, totally.
2: Tip number two is don't let retirement accounts stress you
0: out. Uh, Can you speak a little bit about that? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, the stock market is all over the place. Um, It is all over the place. And if you're looking at a 401k or 403b or your IRA, um, it doesn't feel really good right now. And, you know, we have people saying, oh, I've lost money. First of all, if you didn't touch your money, you haven't lost anything. It's called an unrealized loss you still own the same amount of what you owned a month ago you still own the same amount it's just worthless right now because the market's down but we had it just we had an extreme market situation in 2009 I was working then and you know the joke was that your 401k became your 201k because the market literally dropped in half over that year and it's true but within four years it came back and the low in 2009 this s p was 683 and right now the S&P has been somewhere around 2,400. So we've obviously gone up from the 683. And the reality is, is yes, the the market's down. It will take time to recover. But in a normal market environment that takes about two years, in an abnormal market like we're in now, could take four years like it did in 2009. But it came back. And so it's just having patience and not touching anything because at some point it will come back. And you know, if you take money out now, then you're, you're making it a realized loss and you're actually really creating a loss for yourself. And then it's really hard to figure out when to time, how to come back in and make that money back. So, um, don't panic. Even if you're going to retire in two years, that nest egg of yours, you're not going to need all of it on day one of your retirement. Your, um, your nest egg is going to have to last you during your retirement, which is probably going to be about 20 years. So it's still a long-term investment. You still have time for it to recover and come back, you won't need all of it at once. So just if it's stressing you out, don't look at it and realize you don't have to change anything. Although for our clients who who do have the ability and have stable jobs and um, are looking at it, they're actually looking at increasing their 401k contributions because they know that their money going in is going in on sale. We are talking to clients about increasing 401k contributions at this point because they know that there'll be dollar cost averaging and getting a better deal. Um, even, if the market does go down more, they know it's been on sale since, you know, three or four weeks ago. So, you know, just take some deep breaths. If it stresses you out, don't look at it. I mean, I, in 2008, my 401k was a little, it was about 200,000. And I remember looking in early 2009 at that account, it was a hundred something thousand. I mean, it really did drop in half, but I didn't touch it. Um, and then it went back up. And now the joke is I used that money to start financial gym. So <laughs> My 401k is in the financial gym right now, if anybody wants to know where it is. But yeah, so just just have some patience. It, it'll probably be about four years, but you won't need all that money at once. So deep breaths. If, if
1: people do have extra cash right now, which... I'm not in this boat, so I don't, I'm not sure who these people are, but I think there's people (laughs) like this out there. If people do have extra cash right now and, you know, they have their emergency savings fund, they, they, you know, they figured out what their debt, like where they owe debt. I guess sometimes I'm curious, like, what is the order of events? It's like, do you emergency fund first, then pay off your debt? And then if you happen to have cash left over, like, do you put it in the
0: market? I just like, I feel like, There's an order, a sequence there that I am never totally sure about. Yeah, we actually just wrote about this on the Financial Gym website. So as you can imagine, we've been like, yes, p- okay. producing a lot of content lately. <laughs> um, so, yeah, step one is, is your emergency fund fully funded? And in a recession, we're going to look at, you know, six to 12. We're a minimum of six, but definitely 12 months of your ex- expenses because, God forbid you lose your job, even if you feel confident in your job. Two is how is your consumer debt under control? So, um, you know, meaning uh, meaning credit cards, high interest debt, like credit cards or personal loans. And then three, what extra cash do you have beyond that? And then four is do you feel really confident in your job and your income? Because, um, you know, you don't want to have to put the money that you put in like you need it to pay bills. So those are kind of the four things we're looking at. And then, um, I just had this with actually client number one of the gym. We just had her six and a half year review the other day and she has extra cash and she feels confident in her job, but we're not sure. So we said, okay, what do you need for the next year? And then we, you know, she doesn't have any debt and she's actually cut her expenses really low. So, you know, we figured that out and then we realized she has about $20,000 extra that she could do with. So, she's taking 10,000 now and investing it and the thing is the market is down about 20ish percent at the moment it could go down more it could go down 50% you know we have it could go down further but you definitely know it's on sale like it's definitely on sale so you know she's putting some money in now because she knows it's on sale from where it was a few weeks ago and then knowing she's keeping some aside for you know the potential for it to go down further But, you know, she's in it for the long haul too. So she knows in, you know, the four years she'll be, you know, she'll look at that. It'll be in a different situation. But um, you have to, if you are investing, you have to have a strong stomach and know it's it's just going to be really bumpy for, you know, the next year or so.
1: Yeah. It sounds like this is also a good time to, if you have really specific questions, (laughs) not to be like a shameless plug, but now is also a good time to meet with someone at the financial gym and work one-on-one with people. I feel like these are the times where people definitely realize like, Hey, the one-on-one support is actually, I really want that now.
0: Yeah. We, we call our trainers, your best financial friend, your BFF. And, um, it's true that now more than ever, they're very busy right now. My team is with their Mm -hmm. clients. And I think probably the best thing for us and I've, you know, I have clients as well and I'm checking with all of them. One of the best things as a financial trainer, which is a financial planner is the clients who have been on the plan for like the last, you know, six months to a year who are not stressed out. They're like, I'm so, this is why we have the plan. I'm so glad. Like, it makes you feel really good about what you've done. We kind of stress out about people who don't have the plan, but everything's fixable. I always say everything you do financially is fixable. So it's just a matter of how much work that we need to do to fix it. And we have seen every problem from, you know, negative dollars in the bank to unemployed people to, you know, filing for bankruptcy, managing hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, managing like millions of dollars of investments. We've literally seen it all and um, everything's fixable. So it's just, you know, sometimes it's, it takes somebody kind of getting in there with you and figuring it out. And how do you make the best plan given your particular situation?
2: Definitely. Definitely good to hear that it's fixable. Everything is. Oh yeah. Sometimes that's all you need to hear, especially right now. Um, And you mentioned um, that recessions are typically 12 to 13 months. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this will be longer than that? Because this is such an unprecedented like world
0: event that's going on. You know, I I've told my team, this is my third, now my fourth recession. I've, I've worked through three others. I was honestly more scared and concerned in 2008, 2009 because that was literally the global banking system falling apart. Mm-hmm. And, um, whenever you have these disruptions like this, the the way that we come back is with government support and government support is coming online already. It will start, it will keep coming online until people, until we get out of this. And so, but back in 2008, you were talking about government support for like the largest financial institutions in the world. That's a lot of government support that has to support that. That was really scary. This is going to be, you know, government support for truthfully mom and pops and, and individuals predominantly. And that's less costly. The plans that we need to get everybody back on track are not going to be as extreme as we saw in 2008, 2009. So the other thing I tell people, too, is we're in an election year, for better or worse. And so and the thing is, like, there is not a single person in Congress right now who wants their constituents going to the polls, feeling unsafe and feeling like concerned about their you know, livelihood and um, how they're going to pay the bills. Not a single one. So and that's Mm -hmm. Democrats and Republicans. I mean, this is a purple issue. So I feel really confident about, you know, the type of government support we're going to see come out of this situation and the speed of it, because we got till November. So they're going to be highly motivated to make people feel good, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Otherwise, they they lose their jobs. Otherwise, they're losing their jobs.
1: So. Yes, we're, we're all concerned about job security. Um, okay, so tip number three, this is a good segue is take advantage of all government aid that will be coming online soon. So specifically, what is that aid and, and what should we be looking out for?
0: Yeah. So like I said, whenever we are in these type of situations, the the government will step up and support people. So they're beginning to roll out these plans. Um, We heard about student loans being, the interest being waived, you know, that's still working through there. In New York, I know there's tenant um, and mortgage payment relief happening. So it's literally on a day-to-day basis. So I would Honestly, we have a Google sheet going on in the gym where our trainers are tracking all of this for our clients. So we're keeping up to date on it. But it's really just um, staying on top of it there. They will be announcing all these programs, but it takes a little while for them to come online. But, you know, just stay on top of that. If rent is your big problem, look and see if your state is, um, you know, giving tenant leniency. I, I, like I said, New York, they are waiving um, making sure landlords can evict tenants. Um, they're giving mortgage relief as well. So you know food stamps are, are out there and SSI social um, is a program that's always been out there. So look for the government support and it, it will whatever you know that it'll be coming on and there'll be more and more of it that will be coming online over the next few months. So stay on top of that. state and f- on the state and federal level. So do you just google like
1: your state, where in California suits, so google like California support or something like that? Yeah, like
0: COVID-19, you know, some co- COVID-19 like disaster support in my <laughs> state. I mean, <laughs> it's
1: just getting as dark as possible. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think yeah. if you
0: just like google COVID-19 relief, you'll find some you'll find a, a number of things out there. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. Um, We're just going to recap your
1: tips really quickly for preparing yourself financially for a recession, which is number one, have your worst case scenario plan ready to go slash go to the financial gym and get a plan with somebody. (laughs) Uh, Number two, and she did not ask us to plug this. We're plugging it because we know (laughs) everybody needs help. Um, And having a buddy who knows and you can trust is always good. Number two, don't let retirement accounts stress you out. And number three, take advantage of all government aid that will be coming online soon. I do, I agree with you. I feel like every day there's something new that they're talking about. So it's, it is nice to know that the government's gonna step up. So thank you so much for, for sharing all this information with us. Thanks for having me. All right, so next up, we hear from you and solve your problems. Welcome to Dear Career Contessa, the part of the show where we answer your questions. Remember, if you have a career question, you can submit it to us via DM on at Career on Instagram, email us info at careercontessa.com, or leave us a voicemail at 844-FEMALES. All that information is also included in the show notes. Let's hear today's question, which came to us via DM on Instagram, and it was pretty quick. She just said, how can I deal with a boss who takes credit for my work? So we are kind of approaching this question in two different ways. One is the boss is taking credit for your work kind of on a one-time basis. Maybe it was like something major, but it happened kind of randomly versus a boss who's taking credit for your work and it's an ongoing thing. So let's start, Aliyah, with the one-time idea.
2: Yeah. So I think that Again, communication is really big. And when you do have anyone take credit for your work, especially if it's a boss or a manager, it doesn't feel good. But I would say to start with a benefit of the doubt, you know, there's a lot of things that get lost in communication or especially if you're doing a group project or a collaborative brainstorming session or something like that, where there's a lot of ideas thrown around. It could be like they accidentally... I don't know, believe that they said that. Like, I sometimes I think that it's true. I can't really remember what was said or whatever. Um, so I think just have that benefit of the doubt to start off and know that it's not a nefarious thing that your boss is doing. Maybe they just truly can't remember clearly because, I mean, they're human. It's not like they're trying to take advantage of you at least start out with that uh,
1: sort of thing yeah I was gonna say at least for your from your knowledge you don't think mm-hmm. they're trying to take advantage but I agree I think I think one of the parts that hurts the most about this is that your your boss is really there to support the team's performance or they should be so when they take credit for something you do it's almost like wait you're supposed to be lifting us up not using us to lift yourself up so I right. we totally understand why that hurt I think too if this is a one-time thing like An example of this I think a lot about is like someone I knew in my life, like she worked on a big project and she like worked overnight to finish this report. And when she sent the report to her higher up, by the time her higher up sent it to like, you know, the big higher up, her name had been left off the report you know, obviously she was really upset because she didn't understand. Um, and so in that scenario, I mean, I think whether it's ongoing or one time, I think if it's a one time thing like that and it happens, I think timeliness and, and being quick to address it as as best you can face to face, not like over Slack or email, phone or, or in person is best is to address it right then and there um, and get clarity around why that happened. Because I feel Mm -hmm. like if you wait two weeks to do it, then
2: it's it feels like it's a moot point, you know? Yeah. And on a like similar note, in a preventative way, if you talk upfront about the expectations, if say you're a writer and you're being you're like, you know, essentially ghostwriting for a company or something and it's published under the company and not you. And you expect that, you know, so but if you weren't expecting that, like that's another thing. So it's kind of like that if you know up front, like who's going to be, I don't know, publicly taking credit or something. If there's some weird stipulations um, with that, as long as you have a conversation up front and know your expectations, it'll hopefully avoid a lot of this stuff. But again, that's just like a preventative thing rather than. Yeah, like
1: happened. maybe in that report sorry it was like well this was always going to be published under this name and you you weren't going mm-hmm. to get credit on the report but you got credit verbally, right? Something like right. that. And I think for managers out there if you're going to do something like that, do your best to clarify so the surprise like this
2: doesn't is come just our department like publishing this thing or something like that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So if it's a continuous thing, I feel like that's slightly different, right? that's just annoying. That's just like a, no, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) I mean, it is a personality trait, but but, I mean, that's really irritating because I feel like a one-time thing you can address it. And ideally, you know, like you said, put some stuff some, parameters or or guidelines in place. So how to move forward with it. But if this is an ongoing thing, then it requires more of kind of a a day-to-day or ongoing approach. It's almost like you have to learn to, you have to know, anticipate that this is going to happen and put these like preventative measures in place. So one of the the first thing we were thinking about is like you should always ask your manager for a review to clarify duties or responsibilities, expectations. That seems to be a big one, and really express your strong dedication and commitment to the job. So in a non accusatory way, and that's really really important. Leah mentioned this in the very beginning, like most of these questions almost always come down to communication, which is why you guys, we make online courses on communication skills okay. and leadership skills and business skills, because those are the ones that really get people like stuck in the mud at work. So in, in an, as much as you can, you know, approach them in a non-accusatory way and tell them that you feel like you don't always get full credit or recognition for your efforts. And that's another question I would have is like, is it always credit or is it recognition? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, we, we've talked about it before, but like recognition is also very important and, and, and let them know that it's really important to you that you do get credit or recognition because you value your hard work. So make yeah. sure that when you address it, this is something that you're saying that you need because it's important to you. Don't be like, I need this because you're taking credit, you know, as best you can. I know I yeah. sound like a therapist, but keep it in the
2: you. Yeah. If you explain why you are like, seeking that recognition or credit, it gives it a little bit more of like an obvious thing for whoever you're talking to, let's say your manager or whoever, because if you just kind of say, oh, you took credit for my work and then they're like, okay, sorry, it's your credit. And then like, all right, bye, you know, Um, but if you have like a why and how it impacts your work, I think it's a little bit easier to have like a discussion about it and it's not so um, accusatory. Yeah. And I think it's
1: better for the manager, right? They're, they don't feel like you're just sort of coming to them asking for another thing. Like the why behind stuff is, is where people get connected to it also. So that, I think that's important. Okay. So tip number two was approach the situation gently by taking the stance that there may be a problem of miscommunication. So you could say something like, Hey, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but you know, I, I noticed, uh, I wasn't included in that meeting or, you know, an indirect approach that you're not fully aware of and, and kind of, you know, hopefully this can lead to a change. So the, the idea is again, being really non-accusatory and approaching it in while you're really curious, you're also being direct, right? You're not letting them think that I don't care. You do care. So you don't want to be like, so casual about it that you're like, Hey, I just, I don't know. I wasn't in the meeting, you know, like, don't,
2: don't do that. Be like, yeah, very specific. I feel like. Yeah. And also I feel like, don't call out your boss in like a team setting or something like that. Yes. Even if that may feel like really satisfying or something like definitely just do this like individually. So people are less um, defensive. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: want them to know that if they think they're getting away with something, they're not. So Mm -hmm. I think this is like, it's an indirect yet direct approach because if they think that you don't care now they know you do. And that alone might stop them in the future.
2: Yeah, and also keep any sort of emails or maintain the paper trail, just so that you can show that work to your manager. Um, Because then, I mean, that's like an easy way to log your progress of whatever project or whatever that you're working on. You have proof too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I think you know the paper trail is super important um, and be, I would say over communicate. And then when you do have that conversation where maybe you bring it up to your manager and say, Hey, I've noticed, you know, my name was left off or I was left out of that meeting or whatever it is that you say, send them a recap email, like literally even cover your, you know, the, create a paper trail for even the conversations that you have in person by sending a recap and and thanking them for their time for having the conversation. Um, The other thing you could do is, is make sure that you're interacting with, you know, senior level colleagues and, and conveying um, and, and communicating on a regular basis, your ideas, or the fact that you have a lot of ownership over that project, or, you know, the fact that you've got this expertise, because you really want to help promote the perception with everybody in your company, not just your direct boss, that you know your stuff, that you're a really valued employee. And it's going to set you up for advancement within the company. If you and your boss right above you aren't working out really well right so you just want to show that you are sort of this individual outside of your boss so making sure that you're kind of creating that I guess like in a way your your professional brand at work
2: yeah exactly Um, just anything that'll help you like you know support your case basically
1: exactly exactly So hopefully that helps. Like I said, these are kind of two annoying situations where maybe this is a one-time thing or it's an ongoing thing, but having your boss take credit for your work. um, It's a good question. I think a lot of people actually probably have a similar question, whether it's a boss or a coworker. So
2: definitely address it. Hopefully those tips help. There's a lot of intricacies here. We were talking about, like maybe we should just do a whole episode on this because I feel like there's so many like uh, we so should. maybe stay yeah, tuned for that. <laughs> it's,
1: it's definitely, as we said, like communications. Th- those are always the toughest ones because they they require like a strategy and art. You you know, timing, the person you're talking to. It's it's not it's not simple stuff, really. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. You guys know that if you like what you heard, we're going to ask you to subscribe and please leave us a review. We really, I know I say this all the time, but we really do love hearing from you guys and seeing what you like. And don't forget, we want to know what um, topics we can help you with.
2: And we have a free e-guide to help you organize your finances this weekend called the 48-hour personal finance makeover. And we link to that in the show notes to help you jumpstart your organization.
1: And a big thank you to Shannon McLay of the Financial Gym for adding her expertise and for getting on the podcast with us so quickly to be able to provide you guys that information. You can learn more about Shannon and check out the Financial Gym in the show notes. We also link to the Financial Gym's blog, which I know Shannon mentioned, so you guys can check that out and get some awesome resources.